healthcare is going to always be a people-centric enterprise. And we have to make sure that as we are advancing in technology, we are also advancing in how we relate and how we treat and how we really meet the needs of people. When we can innovate with people, we can also innovate with technology and process. Welcome to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast, where IT and digital leaders from around the world talk about their careers, their inspiration, and their vision for the future of digital business. I'm your host, David Wright. The world of digital business is evolving faster than ever, and I want this to be a place where digital business champions create a village to band together and help each other navigate the ever-changing terrain. Disruptive Innovators features conversations with CIOs and digital leaders from around the world, diving into their personal backstory, career, their current role, trends they've been seeing, and their vision for the future, personally, professionally, and otherwise. This podcast is made for people who are seeing how quickly the digital business landscape is evolving. Those who recognize that it takes a village of trusted advisors to navigate this ever-changing terrain. People who enjoy listening to high-level discussions surrounding what it means to be a leader, real-world examples of challenges faced, and industry-specific strategies leveraged to create exceptional business outcomes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net. Good afternoon, friends. David Wright here, and I am your host of the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. And today I'm super psyched to say I am joined by Abdullah Birdsong. Abdullah, such a pleasure to have you on, man. Thank you so much for having me, David. Yeah, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this since our last conversation. Abdullah, for any of the listeners who may not know, can you just share a little bit about your current role? Yeah, absolutely. So I have the opportunity and privilege of serving in leadership at Novant Health. We are a super regional healthcare provider with over 17 acute care facilities and over 750 primary care, urgent care, specialty care locations spread across primarily North Carolina and South Carolina, although we are emerging in markets adjacent to those. So we have over 40,000 team members that work really hard every day at our call statement to help communities thrive and to provide remarkable health care. Yeah, of course. I'm big getting down to North Carolina more and and you can drive a, you know, a mile without seeing a Novot location. <laughs> So Abdul, really excited to get into your backstory. One of the reasons I was really excited to have you on. But before we do, we like to just start the episode with one piece of actionable advice you might look to leave everyone with today. Yeah, if I could give a little advice, it would be to listen to where things are going. The ecosystem, even outside of healthcare, gives us hints, right? Trends things that are happening, we are seeing so much emerging non-traditional partnerships to provide healthcare across the compendium of needs, right? So just listen to where we're going. There are people that are marching ahead. Novant is a very progressive 
entity in that case and just be ready to not necessarily react, but be proactive and, and go after those needs. Everything isn't a large scale partnership. Sometimes it's a small bespoke partnership that likes up capabilities you never thought possible to reach people that you didn't initially intend to reach. So just be open, be optimistic and be ready to go. Love that. Love that advice. I think, you know, being a, a seeker and being open. And one thing I really appreciate about you, Abdullah, is your ability to think before you speak quickly and your choice of words. You know, I just, you're very mindful about the things that you say. And I really appreciate that about you. Let's learn a little bit about how that came to be, Abdullah. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your origin story. Kind of where did you start out and how did you get to the the point in your career that you're at today? Yeah, thank you for that question. And I love the art of storytelling. I'm a very narrative type of communicator. And where I am now, I serve in a part of Novant Health called Novant Health Enterprises. And it's our part of Novant Health that's really charged with growth and looking for non-traditional business models, partnerships, more specifically, and more recently, since we last talked, I've moved into our joint venture space, which is really exciting to really get on the very strategic end of some really cool partnerships to extend healthcare even beyond uh, the day-to-day -day brick, brick and mortar experience for patients and to do it in a value-based care way where we are really creating quality for our patients and communities. So how I got here is not linear at all. My backstory is I am artistic. I am creative. I'm trained as a classical musician. I went to school for music. I went and got a graduate degree in music. But I've never lost, even from being a young boy, the love for technology. If it had a knob or a dial or LED or LCD readout, I was fascinated by it. So I taught myself how to code. I built websites for a long time. And even in that, I took a path through music education. When my family moved to Charlotte, I couldn't find a job in technology. So I said, you know what? I'm going to be a music teacher. I'm trained as a musician. Why not go teach? And even coming upon a teaching position, which isn't so much the case now, because there's so many teachers needed, right? There's so many positions that can't be filled across school systems around the nation. I happened upon an opportunity at what we call a Title I high school here in Charlotte. And the kids were not performing at state levels and test scores and I got a job as a choral music teacher and got a chance to build an ecosystem of trust, an ecosystem of creativity, an ecosystem of kind of music innovation. And about halfway, maybe two thirds of the way through my tenure there, the principal found out that I had some technical chops. So she said, hey, would you like to be a SharePoint administrator for the system schools in our area? And I said, sure. I mean, I can move things around a screen. I can create a pleasing UI or UX experience. And word got out and I started doing this for other schools. And then I got a random phone call from an old friend and said, hey, 
I know that you have technical chops. I know that you know about user experience. I know that you are centered on changing people's lives transformationally. We have a position at Novant Health. We're getting ready to implement Epic, our EHR, and we need a people-driven, process-oriented leader to help us put some processes around how we test the interoperability of the Epic system. Everything from patient scheduling down to dropping a bill on a patient. And so you got to have a little bit of technical expertise. You have to have some project management expertise, but you really got to have some people expertise because you got to get people talking. And when I got into the position, David, it was really cool because what it was, was helping people communicate with people on a system that helped people. So one of the things that I, I tell other leaders in and outside of Novant Health, one of the reasons why I didn't leave Novant, even when I had the opportunity, was because I can always track my personal mission to help people's lives be better, to help transform lives. And then we sprinkle in there a little bit ministry. I'm also an ordained minister. So all of it kind of wraps into that people transformation part of things. And I'm really excited about where we're going at healthcare in these days and times. Yeah, me too. And that's really cool to be in a position where you're tied to your mission and you're living in your values. I mean, that's, that's a gift. What would you say, Abdullah, is one of the most important things that you learned along your journey and what was life like before learning it and after learning it? I think for me, and I am still learning it. I am definitely not the master, but it's being resilient. It's being able to bounce back after a setback, right? Being able to test an experiment and be okay with failing fast and getting back up and trying again. Really what that does is it engenders hope, not only in yourself personally, but in those that you serve, when they see that you have a can do, when they see that you have a never going to give up type of perspective, it really helps them understand that they can navigate whatever sickness or disease or issue or complaint that they might have. So I've learned how to be resilient and you never know that you need it until you need it, right? Life before learning that was a lot of hits and misses. And to be honest with you, discouragement. There were times when I questioned whether I was good enough to be where I was. Some people might call that imposter syndrome. I had a mentor who's chief strategy officer at another health system. He really challenged me in a leadership cohort that I was in. He says, you have all of the technical chops you need. You could go somewhere and be someone's CIO or something of that chief technical officer. But what I really want to challenge you to be, Abdullah, is not just a technology executive. I want to challenge you to be a healthcare executive. So now with the trajectory of my position, I'm really informed by my technology knowledge, but I am seeing so much. There is, healthcare is complex, David, right? There's the business, there's the back office. One of the best things that ever happened to me was back in 2019, I got put on an assignment to develop a business capability model for 
Novot Health. And it's a mapping of what we do, not how we do it, because we deliver value in various ways, whether it be traditional waterfall, product development, agile, et cetera, DevSecOps. But it's the what, it's literally a menu of what Novant Health does. And what that did was it allowed me to interview and to collaborate and communicate with several senior leaders outside of IT. And in a lot of organizations, there is that disconnect a lot of times between operations and IT. Well, I sat right in the middle of that supposed chasm and started facilitating communications. And now we have a mapping at Novant Health of every capability, every what is mapped to some system all the way down to the server rack so that we can start measuring our effectiveness and maturity in those capabilities and decide, hence, here comes my present role to decide which capabilities we are mature in. And then we might want to extend in partnership or joint venture or take the market and commercialize widely, even beyond our regular geographical region. So it's really been cool. It's really been unexpected. I've had a lot of surprises. And after learning this, I think I am more adept in having those deeper level strategy conversations and to understand that technology isn't just a handoff. It is something that should be embedded in the strategy of the organization to help facilitate those conversations that pump up and accelerate the rate of value proposition and, and value creation for the organization. Right. Yeah, no, agreed. And I mean, you said a lot of good stuff there. We've talked about imposter syndrome, you know, more than a few times on the podcast, something that I dealt with starting a business and all of that. I had to get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And that resilience that you develop, I agree, it's contagious. And, you know, we end up having reference points, you know, of having walked through something and I like that you're mentioning how it impacts your team around you, you know, because from, from a servant leadership standpoint, it's how can my experience having walked through that benefit others, you know, how am I leveraging that experience to hopefully let other people know, you know, like you could do this, you know, like, yes, it might seem like we're in the muck and mire right now, but you know, I was right there and, and look at us now, right? So I, that, that is certainly a really important lesson. Is there actually a time in your mind that sticks out that you were in the, in the muck, you know, that you either failed or that you had a setback, but ultimately you took away a particularly profound lesson or it was a pivotal point for you either per personally or professionally? Yeah, absolutely. Professionally, I actually have two of them very quickly. The first one happened in 2018 when I was laid off from Novant Health. So I joined Novant Health in 2013 and I was laid off in 2018. And at the time I was a project specialist specializing in IT, helping with some of our joint venture hospitals. We were in a joint venture, joint operating company with University of Virginia. So we shared some hospitals in Northern Virginia with them and was doing IT governance, doing all the things that I really knew how to do was getting, you know, building my strategy muscles and helping 
people understand the viability of a roadmap and a preferable future. And then all of a sudden I didn't have a job and I was outside of Novot Hill for I think 46 days. And in that time, I cannot quantify the support that I received from Novant individuals, leaders who knew that I had been let go, but also my family, my wife supported me a lot because I really went through that. Was I good enough? Did they, did they let me go because I wasn't doing a good job? And I remember receiving a phone call from my leader saying that she only was given a couple of days notice that it would happen. It was because of budget reasons, right? And I get that. And she said, you did nothing wrong, but use this time to prepare for what's next. So you may or may not come back into this organization, but don't expect to come back into the same position. Get yourself ready for what's next. So some of it was her setting up meetings with people that she knew. And some of it was me just calling my network and just sitting back and listening and trying to gain more understanding and perspective of where healthcare was going. Ended up getting back into Novant Health and I've been at Novant ever since. The other was during the pandemic, 2020, 2021. I really had to learn how to move fast and to be nimble. You've heard this probably over and over again. COVID accelerated so many things where something may have been on an 18 month timeline, it got condensed to 18 weeks maybe, right? But learning how to be multidisciplinary, learning how to communicate and really building up sort of a personal brand, right? Building up executive presence, receiving feedback. I'm one of those people, I firmly believe that feedback is a gift. So I'm always asking key people, how was that? Did that get communicated in a way that we needed it to be? How can I improve on X, Y, and Z? And one more quick example of that. I was leading for a little while our tech integration. We had just purchased another hospital system and we were getting ready to talk about, you know, things that were in the TSA, the transition service agreement and how we were going to handle the collapsing of the epic instances and the ramping up or ramping down of specific third-party ancillaries that plugged in to complete the clinical workflow. And I had done this awesome deck. I had just wordsmithed it. I was ready to go. And I get on the call, David, and I'm on there with all the senior leaders. And I'm walking them through what we're going to do and there's a slide number three, which were our like values for how we were going to do the work and how we were going to hold ourselves accountable. And I kind of just blew through that slide and I'm going through the presentation and our CIO, who is a phenomenal leader, he stops me and says, I need you to go back to the guiding principle slide because it's going to be so important that we really land here and talk about how we will work together in the future. I learned so much. And he actually pinged me afterwards. He says, whenever you are doing hard work, whenever you're doing tedious work, whenever you are bringing disparate entities together, or you're trying to drive consensus, always go back 
you can't go back enough to your guiding principles. You can't go back to your core values because that centers people on the human side of the work. And that was something that I, I took. I hope that in, in regard in my back pocket, right? I, I might over index on making sure not that we have agreement going out the gate, but that we understand the cause, the purpose, the why behind what we're doing. And then we'll use yeah. that to drive motivation and, and synergy. I love that. Oh, that's a great one that I'm going to take away from this because truly I don't find myself doing that as much as I now realize I'd like to. So very cool. I do like to ask Abdullah favorite book that you're reading either now or all time, your choice. Yeah. So I love the most sold book, the highest selling book of all time. I love the Bible. I believe the Bible has so many principles, right? I'm a believer. I'm a man of faith. There are principles for business. There are principles for life and there are principles for entrepreneurship. I mean, you see all of it in the gamut of the, the characters and the lens, the biblical lens. I read a lot. I, I have a lot of books. I think one of the books that I'm going to reread really soon is Good to Great by Jim Collins. That's pretty much in the lexicon of things that people read. I, I listen to books in the car. You know, your first 90 days is, you know, one of those key books. Because I am very interested in leadership, not just leadership theory, but also leadership practicum, I am going back and reading some books by, you know, Bob Iger. I'm reading a lot of John Maxwell. Right now I'm diving back into a book called Winning with People. Again, everything that I do, whether it is ministry or healthcare, it's centered around helping people. And I want to be the best that I can when it comes to that. Love that. So Abdullah, so you're in your role now, your new role at Novant. Talk to me a little bit about your vision and maybe some of the key initiatives that you guys are working on. We kind of started to get into it and I imagine there's certain things you can and can't discuss, but maybe some of the things that you guys are working on and or some of the most innovative things that you're excited about. And any of that would be great to, to learn more about. Yeah. Thank you for that, David, that question. So, you know, in healthcare, you can work on any of 50 things, right? It's been very intentional by our executive leadership. And I think they've done a wonderful job at, first of all, centering our organization in a season of change. We are undergoing a systematic approach, an enterprise-wide approach to change management. And we understand that that is change at the organizational level, but there's also change at the personal level and the departmental level. So we've been very strategic and be, we've been very careful to have those conversations and to make sure that we're cascading those things down. Now, in the midst of the shifting sands of healthcare and all of the things that, you know, the, the headwinds that are, are hitting, you know, I don't think there were many hospital systems in 2022 that had like fantastic OCI operational cash flow, right? So now it comes down to how can you diversify and diversify where it makes sense, right? So you can't be all things to all people, but you can be 
the best of things to the right people, your target. So we really identify that we want to expand our capabilities outside of the traditional four walls of healthcare. But we also understand that growth comes where we create bespoke offerings that help people increase their access to care, whether that be things around remote patient monitoring, whether that be things that we're using in our acute settings around, and I'm going to use my own terms here, the intelligent use of artificial intelligence to help drive better outcomes, better diagnoses, better understanding of care management, and even post-acute post-care opportunities. So some things you'll see in our partnerships, we're partnering with entities that help us take care into the home. You know, value-based care metrics, one of the key things we're looking for is the reduction in ED utilization, right? So we want to make sure that if you can receive the care that you need at home in the comfort of your home and spare you an ED visit, we want to do that, right? We want to also um, take hospital stays down. We want to get you home faster. You know, science says that you heal faster in your own home. So we want to make sure that we're extending those capabilities. So we're working with uh, a lot of great uh, partners. We are working uh, with some partners with imaging centers and, and making those more accessible to the neighborhoods that we serve. We're doing great things in the community with our community cruisers. We're doing mammograms in the community. We are really taking a great lens into the chronic disease realm. We're looking at disparities according to race around access to care. We're putting our money where our mouth is when it comes to making sure that our communities, regardless of race or socioeconomic status, get the very best care. So my fingers are in a, in a few things, but one of the ones that I'm most proud of is making sure that we get care into the home. We've done things you know, with telehealth during the pandemic. But what does it look like to have a physician or physician assistant come into the home? What does it look like for you to get in-home imaging? What does it look like for you to get those things that you need and in the comfort of your home and us be able to talk bi-directionally right to your primary care physician? Those are the things around convenience and value and high quality care that I get most excited about. Even during the pandemic, I had a device that I was a part of a beta test group where I could do a visit with a PCP and they could listen to my heart. They could look into my ear. They could look up my nose. They could do all of this diagnostic stuff because of a kit that I had that connected to the internet that sent information directly into the EHR. Those things will continue to evolve. We have AI that I'm really excited about at Novot that helps us in stroke assessment. We can get to diagnosis and imaging and understanding of a stroke event tens of times faster than in traditional methods. So we're really accelerating response to care through a lot of great technology. Wow, that's super cool. Yeah, I think that meeting people at the point of need, right, in the home. And also, you know, I appreciate the personalization of care as well, because, you know, to me, value-based care 
really fundamentally is, you know, how are we serving to keep people well, right? So on the front end of any incident, I foresee some level of, you know, monitoring or interaction with a care partner where I'm advising on preventative measures or, you know, all right, I'm almost, and I mentioned this on an episode the other day, but, you know, I'm almost 40 or I will be in a few years haven't gotten a colonoscopy yet, right? Like that's like, and right. A lot of people don't know that it's covered under insurance, right? Same thing with mammography, right? They, and they're not apt to go seek it out. The fact that you guys are going out into the community, that's a great thing. I mean, I think we absolutely need more of that, especially with like the rates of uh, certain like infant mortality and, and stuff like that in the United States with the resources that we have you know, widely available to people like me, like there's no reason that should be happening. There are reasons it's happening, but you know, we need to do something about it. So it's great that Novant is kind of uh, a proponent of that. We touched on, you know, 2022 from, you know, fiscal standpoint, being challenging, right? For Novant, for really for any health system coming out of COVID. But what would you say, Abdullah, any other challenges that you guys are facing as an organization you know, that you think might be relatable? Yeah, I think we have a challenge. And a lot of healthcare entities and systems also have this challenge. When I was really working within our digital products and services, that's what we call IT at Novot, we were looking at risk and rigor in order to understand how we weight work so that we can get it done, right? We want to be a, and I'm talking about IT to the rest of the organization. We really want to be a service and product minded organization. We want to move past kind of just the shifting of cost centers discussion into a true IT as a business framework where you need services. We have capacity. You have dollars to bring to the table, operational dollars, market dollars to bring to the table. We can say that we can do this much work for you in this amount of time based on historical trends and the things that we are currently working in the backlog. So I think in driving value out the door faster, one of the things that I'm challenging a lot of my peers to do is to really look at it from an agile perspective. Not saying that you have to adopt agile as a delivery framework, but be agile in your thinking. What other ways can you deliver this value? Does it mean maybe you bring in a specific vendor that is also ready to co-develop, right? So they may not be your industry behemoths, but they might be a, a, a mid to small cap type of startup. Maybe you can get on their cap table and do some really great things together, right? I had the privilege of working with an organization called Nordic Amplify, working to help integrate a lot of the Nordic companies into the U.S. healthcare ecosystem. And what does it mean to have FDA clearance? What does it mean to really get through all of the kind of governance that you need to bring a product or service to life? And one of the main things that they said to us was U.S. healthcare is a tough nut to crack. It's, you know, highly regulatory, which I believe it should be. 
but we have to be ready to put the patient at the very top of the spear when it comes to delivery of value. And then there are regulatory things that we need to consider. But how can we go faster, smarter without putting lives at risk? So I'm most interested in innovation, specifically digital innovation that accelerates that for the patient. The olden days was ER rate wait times, right? So now people are publishing ER wait times on their websites or on their apps. And, you know, days are going to be gone, I believe, in the future where you have to wait an hour to be seen in the ED. Because I believe that we can bring care, like you said, in a personalized way, quicker to the patient and give the patient options, give them the opportunity to choose what they want to experience and be able to listen to those things that we're saying to them and they're saying to us to have less of a talking to be heard and more of a listening to learn mentality. Right. You know, it's funny, as you were saying that, I just imagined like myself having some sort of medical event and like grabbing my phone, like I would call an Uber and just being like a doctor for XYZ and like, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, a doctor shows up, you know, that, that is pretty convenient. That'd be pretty cool. That would be really great. And we actually do a little bit of that in the reverse. So if you have a critical event, if you are in our MyChart ecosystem, which is attached to our uh, Epic ecosystem, there's the option for you to get, I want to say non-emergent, not emergent that, you know, you need ambulance or, or quick transport, but you can request an Uber right out of our app to bring you to the hospital, right? To the nearest robot facility. So, you know, we're lessening the chasm between what you need and when you need it. And that's been really good. We're doing some things with wearable technology. We're doing some things with robotics. We're excited about some things that are helping to automate some mundane tasks or even help our nurses and other clinicians operate at the top of their license instead of having to do all of the administrative things that take away from the true at the bed clinical interaction and care that we need. So we're all cylinder spiring and we're, we're excited about where we're headed. Love that. So Abdul, this has been great. I have a couple last questions for you. One would be, and we've kind of, this has been the trend of the episode really, but where do you see the healthcare industry going in the future and, or what do you think? will be some of the biggest changes as time passes? That's a great question, David. I almost want to say I don't know because it is constantly unfolding, right? But neither can we afford to sit on our hands and wait until it happens to us. I think where healthcare is going is where the mind of the consumer, where the mind of the patient is going. The more we know about what they need, the more we can meet those needs. I can say a lot of things like AI and other technologies will be driving some things. One of our former leaders at Novant has a saying, I stole that saying, I, I take it everywhere I go. He said that AI will not replace doctors, but doctors who do not use AI will be replaced. Right. Yeah, that is a pretty good summation of the future. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Early adoption, be ready to, this is kind of a taboo word, in clinical care, be willing to experiment, but I want to replace experiment with innovate, right? Ask the right questions, 
challenge assumptions, look at legacy processes and see how we can modernize those, upskill people that understand that if we're going to place automation in an area that may make a job or a portion of a job irrelevant, then let's make sure that we get that resource, the training that they need so that they can upskill and transition and get ready for what's next. Just really quickly, I, you know, I love stories. There's this movie called Hidden Figures, and it talks about three African-American women who worked at NASA, I believe in the 50s and 60s. And one of those ladies was a supervisor of what they called the computers. And literally these were humans, females who were computing, you know, theorems and equations, et cetera. They were human calculators, right? For lack of a better term. But then NASA decided to go out and get an IBM machine. And it was going to, the, the computer filled up the entire room. And there was a programming language that was associated with that. And what that character did in the movie was she took it upon herself to go to the library and literally steal a book on that programming language and learn it. Well, when the resources that were tasked with taking care of that new IBM machine were having problems with it, she had studied the solution. And because she studied the solution, because she put herself in a position to have learned where the organization needed to go, she was able to pull several people into a new realm of work and effectiveness into new jobs and positions, you know, feeding those cards into the machine, right? And understanding the programming language because she saw where we were going and she learned about that and then pulled other people along for the journey. So I think that's where we're going in healthcare. Healthcare is going to always be a people-centric enterprise. And we have to make sure that as we are advancing in technology, we are also advancing in how we relate and how we treat and how we really meet the needs of people. When we can innovate with people, we can also innovate with technology and process. Oh, that's a awesome quote. So Abdullah, this has been amazing. It's always great catching up with you. Last question I have that I just like to ask my guests is if you could go back five, 10, even 15 years in time, what advice would you give your younger self besides buy Amazon stock? <laughs> Be patient. Be patient. There are so many things that I probably could have done better on a personal level and a professional level if I had just been patient and really taken the time to learn. I was always trying to press the envelope. I was the one who was never satisfied. Learning how to be a leader is learning how to find seasons of rest and repose so that you can reflect some of the most poignant leaders that I know are leaders who are very reflective and they understand where they have been and they understand how to use that, whether it be pain or whether it be praise, they know how to use that to fuel their future. So the history that we all have isn't something that we should be bogged down in, it's something that we should grow from. So I would tell my older self to be patient. I would tell my older self to listen more 
and to understand the needs. Listen to understand and not listen to respond. Um, learn the art of being. You will have seasons of doing. You're going to be on the hook to do a lot, but learn how to be so that you can strengthen things like character and resilience and endurance so that you can handle what's coming. I haven't always been able to handle it. I, I thank God for such an awesome support system. And honestly, leaders in my life who wouldn't let me quit. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Phil, great stuff. Thank you so much again today for being on. I really appreciate you, man. Appreciate you too, David, man. And, and best of luck with all of your endeavors. And as you cross the Atlantic, go get it done. Thank you, sir. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. We will catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net.